0: Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Wednesday, November 29th. I'm Hannah Flohr. Internet and phones are back online for residents in Wrangell, cut off after last week's landslide. The power and phone company, ap and announced on Tuesday that all landline and Internet connection on the island's south side of the slide are functioning. The residences directly north of the slide zone are expected to be fully wired and operating with phone and Internet service today. Shannon McCarthy is a spokesperson for the State Department of Transportation. She says power was restored for all areas late Monday night. She says the landslide affected a large area between 11 mile and 12 mile of Zamovia Highway.
1: We do
2: have a better estimate of the area impact, and, and it's around 38 acres of of, uh, of you know of impacted area.
0: Residents are allowed to drive through the slide area during three time slot sheets slots each day. McCarthy says those 30-minute slots will continue over the next couple of days to ensure the public's safety while road crews restore the damaged section of the highway. Yesterday, crews cleared more debris on the north side of the slide and continued repairing shoulder embankments. Another focus this week is removing debris on both the up and downhill slopes of Zamovia Highway, as well as strengthening the drainage area. McCarthy says that removing the debris will help stabilize the slide zone, and over time, the area will settle down.
2: That's why we're we're having a monitoring program. While our crews are working, we actually have people with eyes on the slope to see um, if it's going to shift on us, because we want to get people out of the zone, if that's the case. Uh, and that's also the case with the public traveling on it.
0: The scheduled 30-minute intervals are from 8 until 8.30 a.m., from noon until 12.30 p.m., and from 3.30 until 4 p.m. Wrangles City Hall said that Southside residents who want to pass through the slide zone during the allotted times must pick up a permit at the City Hall building or with a police officer stationed on the Southside. City Hall opens at 8 a.m. Over the past eight days since the slide occurred, Road, power, and landline crews have worked diligently to restore services to the south side of Wrangell Island. The slide killed four residents, and two are still missing. Scientists say climate change is driving more landslides in southeast Alaska. That means communities are more at risk from devastating slides like the one that hit Wrangell last week. But there are things communities can do to prepare. That's according to four experts who joined Talk of Alaska yesterday morning. Aaron Jacobs is a senior hydrologist for the National Weather Service in Juneau. He said climate change is bringing more intense rain to southeast Alaska, and those heavy rainstorms are happening both earlier and later in the year.
3: Later in the season um, is important because there's, um, sometimes there's snow on the ground, and that snow melt can increase the water into the soils.
0: Saturated wet soil and high winds can trigger landslides, Jacob says. When the ground is no longer stable, gravity takes over and the muddy soil mass begins streaming downhill, taking down trees and anything else in its way. State geologist Gabriel Wolken says the conditions in Wrangell last week were similar to two other deadly landslides in the last decade, in Sitka and in Haines, and those conditions aren't going away.
3: Rain continues to fall on already saturated soils in Wrangell and across the region. So the potential for additional landslides continue, particularly following intense local rains and high winds in some of these areas.
0: That means that communities need to prepare. Sitka offers one example. After a landslide in 2015 killed three people, there was a lot of anxiety that another slide could strike. Lisa Bush runs the Sitka Sound Science Center.
4: People were afraid. They were afraid of the rain and they were afraid of going out into the woods. They were afraid to send their kids to school because maybe the schools were in landslide zones. So, what we did when we finally got all these scientists together is we said to the scientists, what scientific questions can you answer that will make our community feel less anxious?
0: Seca ended up partnering with scientists to develop a landslide warning system. Ten rain gauges around the community help model landslide risk. Bush and her team are now helping other southeast communities build their own warning systems. She says there's much more research to be done on landslide risk, and scientists are eager to work with communities to figure out how best to prepare. School is almost out for winter vacation, but in one Petersburg classroom, a school just started. A school of fish hatched by high schoolers. Every year, Petersburg High School students vie for the chance to take an aquaculture class where they learn about fish that sustain the local seafood economy. They do that by raising and releasing salmon into the wild themselves. KFSK's Shelby Herbert followed the class over the last year and brings us this story.
5: About a dozen students are peeking over the sides of two enormous tanks at Petersburg's water treatment facility in May. The air is thick with the smell of mud and algae from the pond water gurgling through the tanks and the slight odor of fish. Hundreds of pink salmon fry, just about the size of a child's finger, are darting around the murky water. The teens are tasked with gently catching all of them with tiny nets and plopping them into several five-gallon buckets of water nearby. It's a painstaking process. I mean, they're choosing to do this, Andrew. (laughs) It's not my fault. It takes them about an hour. Some of the fish are dead or rapidly approaching death.
0: Were, oh, 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 oh. oh no, dead.
5: <laughs> Once they've collected all the fish they've raised over the last year, the students load up their buckets onto a school bus. Alice Kumps is a science teacher at Petersburg High School, and she's taught the aquaculture class for close to a decade. She drives the students to a creek a couple miles out of town. When they arrive, she leads them through the woods to a shallow eddy. The students begin trying to coax the fish out of the buckets and into the stream, which they have explicit permission from the local Alaska Department of Fish and Game Office to do. But while they wade through the mud and try to dodge the Devil's Club crowding the creek, some of them are struggling with the task at hand.
0: Don't put your hand on the
5: dead wood as a brace. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know.
0: Ooh, I'm just letting them go with the flow at this time. Be free, children. So
5: Despite their objections, today it's a massively popular class. Kump says a lot of kids compete for spots in her aquaculture course every year. I unfortunately am restricted in keeping my number down to 14, but yeah, I've got a lot of kids that want to take it because it is so hands-on. But Kump says the class isn't just about field trips and messy fun outside. It's preparing them for the real deal, careers in the fishing industry after graduation. Through the high school's partnership with the University of Alaska Southeast, students can earn technical education credits for the class, alongside standard high school credits.
4: It's a great class for kids that might be thinking about doing this as a career. And the idea really is that students might decide to go to a technical school, preferably in the state of Alaska, and continue their education, and then they could work at a hatchery.
1: In
5: addition to learning about biology, the class is helping state fish biologists learn more about the health and genetics of fish in the area. Um, they always ask us at the same
4: time to collect samples, so we collect um, ovarian fluid samples and we collect kidney samples of the salmon and we send that to the state up in Juneau. They have a lab, a pathology lab, and they run some tests on there and that's really just so that they have an idea of what bacterias might be prevalent in the population in the wild run.
5: Even after almost a decade of teaching, Kump says the class is still very dear to her. And part of that is because it's so intertwined with the local
4: culture. I also really like it because it's, it involves so much of what Petersburg is
5: about. The borough um, has such a history and rich economy based on fisheries. Charlotte Martin is a senior this year at Petersburg High School. Last spring at the creek, she said she wasn't sure about what she'll do when she graduates but she's enjoyed the hands-on learning experience in Kumps' outdoor classroom. Martin says it was rewarding to see the pinks transition through their earliest stages of life, but it's hard not to get a little attached.
0: I mean, yeah, we saw them when they were eggs till now, so kind of attached to them. (laughs) How did this moment feel? They're going upstream, they're gonna feed people and bears, I guess. I guess I'm happy for them, it's kind of (laughs) cute.
5: A new crop of pink salmon hatched last month in Kums' classroom. The tiny fish are still attached to bright orange yolk sacs, which they'll absorb over the next couple months. In this second stage of life, they're called alvin. Today was our first day, actually, that
4: we found some that have hatched. So we have a few little alvin, which is exciting. Yeah,
5: yeah, the kids were excited. The pinks will be ready for release in late spring. That's also right around the time Charlotte Martin and her cohort will graduate high school and start their own journey into the great wide world. In
0: Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Scientists in Alaska are now using machine learning as sort of cousin to artificial intelligence to link volcanic ash from the specific volcanoes that produced it. As Sophia Stewart-Rossi reports from unalaska Alaska, it's a method that was introduced in 2021 to help identify the threat each volcano poses.
2: Alaska is home to over 100 volcanoes, many of which reside in the Aleutian Islands and the Alaska Peninsula. And each volcano has a unique ash fingerprint that helps scientists to better understand past eruptions and prepare for future ones. Jordan Lubbers with the Alaska Volcano Observatory says... In the past, it's been grueling work for scientists to trace volcanic ash to its source. He says it's especially tricky when researching ancient ash that may have traveled thousands of miles during a large volcanic eruption.
1: It's like playing this connect-the-dots-linking game.
2: Lubbers says there are many factors when identifying ash, like determining the shape of its particles and chemical makeup, then pairing that information to one source on a long list of volcanoes. But now, machine learning is successfully doing that work much faster than before. Lubbers says scientists can drop an ash sample in a lab and let the machine thoroughly analyze it.
0: Computers
1: can think in many different dimensions at once and and process a lot of information kind of simultaneously and learn from all of these relationships.
2: Lubbers says volcanic research is crucial for evaluating hazards in Alaska, particularly for aviation, since ash can cause engines to fail during flight. In alaska I'm Sophia Stewart Rossi.
0: The Environmental Protection Agency has announced plans to disperse $150 million to Alaska tribes for clean energy and climate change resilience projects. Robin reports from Fairbanks. In
1: August, the National Administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency, Michael Regan, came to Alaska and toured with Senator Lisa Murkowski. When he stopped in Fairbanks, he explained why his trip was focused on environmental justice for often overlooked communities.
3: For too long, uh, our black and brown communities, our indigenous communities, have suffered uh, disproportionately from poor air quality, uh, high levels of environmental pollution, and the negative effects of climate change. Uh, With that, uh, we've been focused on taking a journey to justice all across this country. This leg of the Journey to Justice tour, it's taken us through Alaska. Uh, thanks to the recommendations of Senator Murkowski, uh, we have been able to see many parts of the state. And the strength and the resilience that I've seen from our indigenous and tribal communities throughout the state has been truly inspiring.
1: Regan and Murkowski used the Fairbanks stop to announce plans for federal grants to come out of the Inflation Reduction Act.
4: And EPA really stepped up to this. And Administrator Regan, I want to thank you for the personal commitment that I received from you that you would work to address this issue within these communities was greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you for that.
1: On Tuesday, EPA set up the first grant opportunities, with about $150 million dedicated to fund projects for federally recognized tribes in Alaska. They're called Community Change Grants. EPA has identified three target investment areas to help ensure communities with unique circumstances, geography, and needs can equitably compete for funding. The targets are projects to reduce pollution with indoor quality, outdoor air quality, clean water infrastructure, and the safe management of hazardous waste. Secondly, Alaska-specific climate action strategies like energy development, improving human health and climate resilience, permafrost degradation management, and climate emergency management. And third, a big emphasis on cleanup of contaminated lands conveyed through the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act, or ANCSA. That last one has been on Murkowski's to-do list for years.
4: We can argue over whose fault it is, who who is responsible, but I will tell you, at the end of the day, if you're dealing with contaminated lands, you don't really care whose fault it was. They just want to know that it's being addressed.
3: The Inflation Reduction Act provides EPA with $3 billion to provide grants to communities uh, that are a result of an environmental injustice. We believe that many of these conveyed lands and these leaders will be competitive for those grants.
1: Tribes have a year to apply for the grant money. In Fairbanks, I'm Robin. For KFSK,
0: I'm Hannah Flohrer.